Kaylee, can you remember your earliest memory of encountering superheroes? Yeah, I was thinking about this. So I guess it depends on what we're qualifying as superheroes, because I have the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, which I loved, had pyjamas, had a cake, had the whole Shazam when I was very, very small. But if we're not saying them, do you remember Banana Man? Yes, I do. I never watched it, but I remember the image of him. I remember that. And I remember the X-Men cartoon very clearly. And I also, like, the Power Rangers? Can we say that they're superheroes? Yeah, they're totally superheroes. They have, like, they have the spandex suits. They all have different colours and different personalities. And they have some kind of powers, I guess. Don't know. Well, they're Power Rangers, so they must they're have like power. power Rangers, yeah. And they got magic glowing rings, which I feel is a big... You need something magical if you're a superhero. The Turtles, probably, if I'm allowed them, would be my very earliest. Though. I watched them religiously as a child. And they've been around a long time. They've been around. When did they first come out? Like the 80s? Yeah. yeah, yeah. I think from like when we, when we were toddlers. Uh, on the subject of Power Rangers, you know the villain in Power Rangers. What's her name? The woman with the horns. Oh, God. What is her name? And she's <laughs> usually in, she's in a volcanic crater and she's going, bah, like that. She's got her mouth wide open and her arms out. Who are the bad guys in Power Rangers? Lord Zed? Rita Repulsa? Rita Repulsa, Rita Repulsa, that's it, yes. So she, the, the image of her has been doing the rounds on social media because it's being compared to the woman at the Republican convention with the hair with the perfect middle part of the dark hair. And she's, what does she say? She says something like, this is your moment! Or something, she's going absolutely insane and everyone's comparing her to Rita Repulsa and saying, this woman has obviously done several lines of coke before going onto the stage. You need to really, though, don't you? At least several. You gotta do something. Mainline bleach, do some lines of coke, whatever you gotta do to get out there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, I guess as well, superhero-wise, um, Tim Burton's Batman. Did you ever watch those? No, I've never seen a Batman movie before the Christopher Nolan ones. Oh, I love the Tim Burton ones. I think they must have come out in the 80s because it's like early Burton and it's like Michael Keaton as Batman, who I think is the best Batman. I'm willing to have people at me if I'm wrong. He's got like the little, the chin dimple. A cleft. Yeah, and he's also very deranged, which I think Batman would be because he's got a lot of dark, simmering resentment going on under the surface. He does have issues. I have seen the very old Batman series hmm. um, where it's all like kapow, kaplunk and stuff like that. And but that's not quite so dark, obviously. That's hmm. that's very sick. But yeah, that's probably all of my you asked for one? I gave you all of them. What were yours? <laughs> uh, yeah, I, well I've got I've probably got several as well. I'll tell you what, I was a bit of a late bloomer when it came to superheroes. So I didn't watch Thundercats, even though I'm of that generation. I know. I didn't watch Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, even though I had a stainless steel bin in my childhood bedroom with Ninja Turtles on. I so had a crush on one of them. Which one? The one with the purple, uh, Donatello. So he's like the techie one who invents stuff. He's a bit more softly spoken. Uh, you do go for techie, softly spoken guys. <laughs> geek. <laughs> so I didn't really watch that. I did watch little bits of like the animated Spider-Man and animated Batman series. Yeah. I never watched Power Rangers. In fact, I've never, still never seen an episode of Power Rangers. I was very into um, Where on Earth Was Carmen Sandiego. I've never, watched that? I've never watched that. Oh my God, it was brilliant. So, the, you know, the premise is just superb. It's, she's like this jewel thief and these two like young detectives are chasing after her. 
um, and they're chasing her around the world. Hence, the, And they'd be like, oh, I've tracked her down to the pyramids of Giza. Did you know that the pyramids of Giza were built by Pharaoh, blah, 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 in blah, 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 BC, and blah, 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 and it'll just give you all these sort of history and geography facts. And th- again, this is, this is the teacher in me, was like, <laughs> it's exciting and it's educational. Yay, it's our favourite things. I have a question. Do you think the Thunderbirds... Are superheroes? Uh, so I guess yeah, they are because um, a superhero does not necessarily have to have a superpower, hmm. i.e., Tony Stark. As I say, as Iron Man himself proves, they're kind of like all little Iron Men. I guess they are, yeah, because they. I mean, they're all like super clever. I guess their superpower is that they can save the world, even though they've all got strings attached to their heads and their hands and feet. That could be them, yeah. Which is pretty cool, and there is an arch villain. And, yeah. they, and they keep themselves top secret. I would, yeah, I guess I watched Thunderbirds, so I guess they would count. Weird, isn't it? Because that's so before our generation. I feel like it was always on TV when we were kids. I was into um, The X-Files. I love The X-Files. I love The X-Files too, which looking back, I feel like I was a bit too young. Yeah. And it was a bit weird that in my household, I had to basically beg my parents to be able to watch South Park, but I was allowed to watch The X-Files. I wasn't. I used to creep back and sit by the living room door and just sort of watch it through the door while my parents were watching it. Some episodes make me shit my pants. Like yeah. the famous one with the guy who squeezes through tiny spaces. Yes. And there was one with like, oh, like a, no, I just remember it as like a tunnel with like cat people. Do you remember that? Yes. Yes, there is one with cat people. Yeah. And there's another one in a later season where there's this little like uh, Indian boy on a little like trolley because he's got no legs and it has a squeaky wheel and what the Indian boy would do was he would follow um, like really big fat guys and he would uh, pounce on them when they were in a private space and then travel like inside them to another part of the world then burst out their stomach and then move on to the next person and you'd know that he was coming because you hear a squeaky wheel sound in the background Uh, that remains for me one of the most terrifying things I ever saw in my childhood. Oh, yeah, I guess it is because it plays on your senses. Like stuff like that where you just, you hear something and you associate a sound because you will hear squeaky wheels in your lifetime. I will, I will. In fact, um, our, my bedroom door, my bedroom doorknob makes that sound every time. So if I'm going for a wee in the middle of the night, I'm like, it's the child with no legs. <laughs> but he's not coming for you. You're a slender man. He can't That's, use you. I'm, I'm safe. As long as I don't put on weight, I'll be all right. <laughs> it's like the weirdest eating disorder in the world. <laughs> Maybe that whole episode was a commentary on obesity in the United States, I don't know. Maybe. Hello, and welcome to The Marvel Virgin, a podcast all about the Marvel Cinematic Universe. My name is Paul, and I'm a Marvel Virgin. And my name is Kaylee, and I'm a Marvel whore. For each episode, Paul is watching a Marvel movie or TV series for the very first time, and with my help, we'll be delving into the good and not-so-good aspects of the MCU, and navigating the secrets and intricacies of this big and complex universe. If you'd like to send in any questions, comments, factoids, or even if you'd like to correct anything we've said, after all, we're not perfect, then you can tweet us at The Marvel Virgin. We'd love to hear from you. Enjoy the show! Uh, we need to correct something that we said on our previous episode about Pokemon. 
Yeah, I really have about this. So we were talking about uh, people we'd have on our Avengers team, and uh, we you mentioned you'd have a Pokemon, and I suggested the Pokemon that can do what its opponent Pokemon can do. It copies it. And mm -hmm. I said it was a sort of geometric doc ducky doggy thing, mm -hmm. but as it turns out, it's not. <laughs> it's, I got the wrong Pokemon there. You blended them. So I found out that the Pokemon that I want that mimics is Ditto. Which like with by the name makes sense yeah <laughs> and then the one you're thinking of was who were you thinking of i was thinking of one called porygon and i swear porygon does something quite unique i looked him up on wikipedia and it doesn't have any information about <laughs> wikipedia is like only, you and your own the only information i could find about it is that it was in the episode that became quite famous because it caused lots of epileptic fits <gasps> oh so his power was for evil his, his, his power is that he comes out the screen somehow <laughs> and it causes, causes epileptic fits. I don't think it was him. I think it was just the flashing lights and the colours and stuff in the episode. Well, who knows? So we are talking about Iron Man 2 today, um, which is the third MCU film. So they're really whacking out the Iron Man. I guess because he's sort of, he was so much more relatable than the Hulk. Maybe they're like, let's go back to basics. And you know, you say it's the third in the MCU, but it's also the first one that Disney owned. Oh, really? Okay. So I wonder if maybe they wanted to own, they stuck in on something they know people are going to like. I, I have this image of Disney not really being a corporation, but more like some kind of creature that lives under a rock. And it kind of, it can smell things that can make money. <laughs> it sort of, it sort of sent, goes, I smell mummy, and it goes, ooh, Star Wars, come to me. And it sort of lifts out a tentacle and then drags it in, and it owns it completely. Yeah, like Simon Cowell with One Direction. Yeah, yes. Simon Cowell is the brother of Disney, lives yeah. under another rock. <laughs> He's just like, mm, who will make me money? <laughs> yeah. This was what I was surprised about, was that um, I thought with the Avengers crossover films, they do like one Iron Man, one Hulk, one Thor, one Captain America, then Avengers. Hmm. They didn't. It went Iron Man, Hulk, Iron Man again. I guess it's, I don't know, Tony Stark is the linchpin of the whole thing, so maybe they honour him slightly more. Uh, he's a very interesting character and very likeable character, so I guess it's a way in for it, people who love Marvel already, but also people who are not so marvelly, yeah. but they are marvellous but they are becoming more marvellous through Tony Stark's adventures. I think so. And also it was a good way for them to introduce, I mean, I don't want to get into plot because we're going to do it, but other characters who will be relevant later. They do introduce another character. I must say, I'm going to need your help with some plot points. I have quite a few questions as we go through it. That's all right. I'm here to serve. I'm going to go out on a limb and say that this did very well. Yeah. Uh, and was very well received. I wouldn't say I liked it. I liked it more than the first one because it's not an origins, origins story. And I was quite excited by the fact that, okay, we know that he's Iron Man, everyone knows he's Iron Man, Every, like whole world knows he's Iron Man, let's just get on with the next bit of the story. Which is weird, because when we did episode zero, you said you thought all the origin stories were gonna be the best ones. Mm, well, you know what? Sometimes you think something's gonna happen and then things <laughs> change in life. It's very true. Uh, but I'll tell you what I liked about it. I liked that the story was less formulaic 
than mm. the last two because the origin ones tend to be he's he's a guy he's got issues in his life he gets a power there's an enemy who also gets a power and wants the power and they fight each other and then he wins and he go and the you know he ends with that sort of bit that you get on radio trailers where it's like i am iron man i am hulk i am thor i like that peps gets a little bit more in this one well she literally gets promoted which i think is quite clever because it mirrors her character's development promoted she goes from his assistant to ceo of one of the wealthiest companies in the world it's a promotion i would say it's a good promotion but it is still a promotion i must say on that subject when he's offering her the role of ceo because he doesn't want to do it that made a lot of sense because i was like well yeah she does everything for you but then she gets the role and then I didn't think she was very good in the role. There's a lot going on, really, for her. It's not like a, an, a seamless transition into this position of power because he's still there causing havoc. So it's not really a very fair... And she doesn't get a handover. No, she doesn't get a handover. And <laughs> as far as I can see. He just gets it dumped on her and he's still very much like finger in the pie. So the point against her is whenever you see her doing business... She's just on the phone and she just goes, yeah, I know there's lots of like mass destruction and Stark Industries is doing really badly, but I actually think the future is great for us. Mm-hmm. And then there's a pause. She goes, okay. And then hangs up. And that happens several times throughout the film. And I'm kind of thinking, Jeff Bezos wouldn't do that. <laughs> you need to sell it harder, Peps. Like, it's like she thinks now she's CEO, she doesn't have to try. Yeah. And it, like Elon Musk has a cameo in this film. So she could have asked him for a bit of advice. No, but then that would be, she'd be asking him to mansplain to her. We don't do that. Oh, uh, that's true, yeah. Oh, but I loved Scarlett Johansson. Is it yeah. Johansson or Johansson? I always say Johansson, but I don't know why. It's like I go very Nordic when I talk about her. <laughs> I'm going to call her Scarlett. Yeah, she's so dinky as well. I always forget how small she is. When she does that um, big fight with Happy, you're like, she's tiny, but she's destroying him. Who's Happy? The bodyguard, John Favreau. Oh, it's, he's got a name. Oh, Paul, no, you can't nameless him. He gets I, his name referred to several times. Oh, so I don't know. Well, with a name like Happy, I wouldn't assume that's his name. I'd assume they're just saying Happy in the script. <laughs> like some little children's TV presenters. Yeah, I mean, kids can watch this, so they might be going, Happy, Happy. I'm going to call him John Favreau, hence, I'll just call him John. But when they have their big fight, she's tiny and she's in like office gear and looks very unthreatening. She's got a little like bare feet and she's just there and she, yeah, she just absolutely destroys him. I love it. And I thought Sam Rockwell was really good. I really, really like Sam Rockwell. He's probably one of my favourite actors at the moment. Yeah, I think so too. I love him in Galaxy Quest. Mm, yes he's very good in that and he's very good in three billboards outside ebbing missouri and the main villain was quite fun too but again evil russian again yeah apparently in the um the chinese version of iron man they they sort of don't say that he's russian they sort of mute that or stumble over the words or something i thought you were going to say they make him american oh that would be amazing no <laughs> be a lot of extra work wouldn't it i don't think disney would be into that yeah, no, apparently they, they're like, mm, he is from, they mumble it. <laughs> I never said why, and I, I, I just assume that China's like, let's not anger <laughs> right there. Yeah. There's also a bit where you can tell it's Super Disney, which um, I watched it with my boyfriend. And um, when the, the little Iron Man cheerleaders are doing their dance, mm-hmm. 
when they walk off, they fold their arms over the chest <laughs> so you can't see any cleavage. Oh, uh, because their tops are too low cut. Did yeah. you? Know, I, I, I in the um, closing credits, they are cut, they are credited as the Ironette dancers. Love it. I'd quite like to be an Ironette dancer. An Ironette dancer, yeah, yeah. They were so tacky, but I really enjoyed it. That's like the first scene, isn't it? Let's go into the plot. So the first scene, he's got this sort of big expo. And he's like super popular. Everyone loves him. Everyone bows down to him because he's one of those sort of billionaires that's also on the front cover of magazines. And he got all these dancers around him. I loved how tacky it was. But what is the expo for? Like, what's his business doing now? I didn't really get that. Yeah, they don't really explain. Also, the expo, they say, is going to go on all year. That's not an expo. That's like... It's a theme park. That's just life. I don't know why they're... Why do you say it? And then also, um, he's in a plane and dives into the stage, but he's, he's, he can literally fly. So why does he need to be in a plane? Oh, uh, yeah. Well, I guess, didn't the Queen do that at the Olympics? She can't fly, literally, though, can she? Like, she doesn't have an Iron Queen suit that flies her in. Well, I mean, the royal family have many secrets. You never know. So many, but we would know that one, because apparently you have to admit it. I like that he does that thing that really cool rich men do when they, they don't want to pose because that's like a feminine thing to pose in front of photo- photographs. So what they do is they put on sunglasses and they put one arm up with two fingers. I love that because I'm like, what the hell does that mean? Does it mean like two for everyone? Or <laughs> Peace, kind of. I see you, but I'm not going to point to my eyes because I see everyone. I don't want to point because it's rude. So I'm going to do a dual point because it's friendlier. I don't know. It just looks so good. And yet when you break it down, it doesn't make any sense, that signal at all. You should do it in some photos. Like next time you have to pose, do the pose and see what people think. <laughs> if I've got, if, like, you need lots of cameras on you. If you've got just one camera taking a picture, it just, it looks a bit odd. Do it for your wedding, please. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just walking around going, two fingers, two fingers. Yeah. Do it at least once. You've skipped a scene. Isn't the um isn't Mickey Rourke saying, I'm I'm going to scream over my dying father figure? Oh, yeah. his, his father died. Yeah. Um yeah, I forgot that bit. And it, that doesn't really tell us a lot about him. You get little bits of him gradually over time, don't you? He's got no cigar, but I was thinking about this, he does have a parrot, which is kind of like the traditional pirate version of a cigar. He does, yeah. I he kept going on about his bird throughout the film and I was I I thought there was going to be some kind of secret within the bird but he just yeah. likes this bird apparently Mickey Rock was like oh I want to humanize my character and he added the bird in <laughs> <laughs> and that was how he did it he was like it needs to not be one-dimensional so I'm going to add a bird to the situation just to make it more fleshed out more interesting it didn't work to humanize him he's still an absolute psychopath yeah, no, I know. I just love that that is why the parrot's there. Apparently, there's two parrots used, and one is actually the director's, John Favreau's own, own parrot, so... Oh, uh, maybe that's why they settled on a parrot, because John Favreau's like, well, I have a parrot. <laughs> yeah, he's like, I want a dog. He's like, no, Hulk has a dog. So you've got to think differently. Uh, I can but... imagine Mickey Rourke being like, I want it to be a Komodo dragon. And John mm-hmm. Favreau's like, I've got a parrot. And Mickey Rock's like, that'll do. It's more tropical than a cat. You can't have a cat because that is a villain thing. So with the plane thing again, like, so he, he uses the plane to get into the expo just to hover in and drop. But then when he gets that summons to Washington, he's like, how far is it? And then he just hits the gas on his car. Why? Again, we know he has a plane. So why does he not just get out of the car, walk over to the plane? Oh, uh, yeah. 
and fly there. Well, maybe he doesn't want to go to Washington, does he? So maybe that maybe he's creating obstacles for himself. Yeah, maybe. And also maybe he's like, I do my best thinking when I'm driving. I can come up with what I'm going to say. I'll stick on, uh, you know, um, I drove all night by Celine Dion. Yeah. And that will keep me going across the whole, um, the whole, the whole fifty states I have to go, or whatever states he has to go through to get to Washington. Yeah. He's like LA, isn't he? So that's a long drive. But at the beginning of that film, he's very like every woman he sees. There's a bit where it's from his point of view, and he just goes face boobs. He's got that thing. Where, yeah, he meets women, and he's a bit like um, lecherous with them, but he doesn't sort of act on it. And then Pepsi is usually like pops in to kind of Pepsi pops in pops. to kind of be a bit like uh, Tony, like be a human being. We'll treat these women like the humans they are. Like with uh... then she'll get a phone call and be like, "Oh yeah, the business is doing fine. Don't worry about the explosions all around me." Are you going to invest or not? No. <laughs> fine, I guess. Okay, I can't force you. <laughs> yeah, she even says that, doesn't she? When um. I want to call her Natasha, but obviously her name is not. It's Natalie or whatever her name is when she's not Natasha Romanoff, Black Widow. Oh, yeah. Like, oh, is she Black Widow? What? Have you, you, you've seen the posters? Yeah, I don't know what they're called. I don't, <laughs> I've, heard, I've heard the phrase Black Widow, but I didn't know. I thought that was one of the villains in a later film. Because I was like, Black Widows are poisonous spiders. That's a bad thing. I feel like I've ruined that, but I'm sure. So what's her superpower? Just that she's awesome. That's her power. She's just very good at fighting. <laughs> That's the greatest power ever. I'm just awesome. She's just great. She just fights really well. She's like a, an ex-Russian agent or something, isn't she? She's... Her power is that she kicks ass. Yeah. I like that, though. I like, there's no, like, faffing about with it and no kind of origin story. It's just like, yeah, I kick ass. A quick question back on when he has to go to Washington, he doesn't want to. So he's been subpoenaed by the U.S. government because yeah. the U.S. government want information about his suit because they see it as a weapon or they want the army probably wants to use it as a weapon which is usually what happens in these films um Mm -hmm. but he doesn't like having stuff handed to him and that gets that gets used a couple of times he's like don't hand this to me and someone says he doesn't like things handed to him why Mm -hmm. does that get explained at any point or have i missed something i just think it's one of his quirks i don't remember it being big thing but maybe if we think back to the first film someone probably handed him something he didn't like maybe like a bomb or maybe he just knows that whenever he gets handed something it's going to be something he doesn't like like a subpoena yeah don't take that it's true because then you don't have to be subpoenaed you're just like oops i can't come and i like i quite like the scene in the in the is it in like the supreme court or something when he's He's based, they're trying to make him seem like some kind of terrorist, I guess, so that he has to hand over these plans. Yeah. And Sam Rockwell's, he, he then has some footage of Sam Rockwell doing experiments that go wrong. And that puts Sam, it got a bit confusing, but I was like, Tony Stark's winning and that's kind of fun. I liked it. Yeah. And also, did you like Don Cheadle wrapping up? Yeah, yeah, I did. Um, yeah. Like you, like you said in the previous episode, it was a bit like, oh, this is, this is Rody Rhodes now. He's a different guy, but he's still good. Um, when he comes in he's like it's me and I'm here so get over it and move on and I feel like that's kind of aimed at us because I'm not Terrence Howard guys get over it yeah and I think he'd already signed like a a multi-film contract at that point so he knew he was going to be Rody Rhodes for a while Tony Stark kind of wins that but Sam Rockwell's all like grr I'm gonna get that information so he's like the head of a rival company yeah and he wants that information so that he can do better than Stark Industries. It's all like businessmen trying to fight each other and stuff. That's what they would do, isn't it? It's what they do do. 
Yeah. And then Stark gives Pepsi the company. Again, wise decision, although I question her business uh, credibility. He's better at it than he is. Yeah, she is better at it. I mean, he doesn't do anything. She at least gets on the phone. Exactly. So in the words of, words of like, oh, is she doing a good job? She's doing a better job than her predecessor. Yes. The yeah. bar's quite low, so we know that she's, she's working her way up. But whoever comes after President Trump is going to get that, 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 exactly. uh, that maxim, aren't they? <laughs> at least he's doing something, I mean, and, and not something awful. And meanwhile, we've got um, evil Russian Mickey Rourke um, making some kind of weapon, and he wants to go after Tony Stark. And he makes, so he's obviously into a bit of BDSM because he makes yeah. big electronic whips. Loves those whips, doesn't he? Mm. His name is Whiplash, so. Oh, is it? Why do they not give the villains the names? I feel like they're kind of doing the, the names sometimes like as nods to people who right. have read the comic. He's like an amalgamam of like two villains, and I can't remember what the other one is, but it's Whiplash and someone else. And Uh-oh. I think it's meant to be like, oh, people who love Marvel get that this is Whiplash. Because Tim Roth in Hulk was Abomination, but he yeah. wasn't called Abomination. But he is in the comic books. Yeah. Which... I wonder if it's maybe so they don't feel like they're just doing it too clunkily as well. Like, how would they get his name in? <gasps> it's Whiplash! Well, the Spider-Man trilogy with Tobey Maguire managed it. You know, you got Willem Dafoe being like, I'm the Green Goblin. And then you had Alfred Molina being like, I'm Dr. Octopus. And, and it wasn't too cheesy. Well, yeah, but they're the sort of people who do self-define. Whereas I guess Mickey Rourke's character is very human. He's got a parrot. It's not really into, it's not his style, is it, to do that? Uh, wouldn't, he's not going to give himself a name. That's what the good guys do. Yeah, he's like, no, I, I'm just a normal guy like you with whips and then it's a, it flips between stark and mickey rock evil russian does he have a real name ivan or of course it's ivan <laughs> i made that up hang on he's like frank isn't his surname like vanko or venko or it's something very russian sounding <laughs> hollywood producers have like a little bag of russian names there's like five little five little counters in there and it's like sergey ivan dimitri <laughs> Yeah, that's what they do. It's definitely, his last name's Vanko, for sure. They they finally meet in Monaco in a really cool scene. I really, really like this, where they're, um, so Tony Stark's like driving and he's not supposed to, that's it, he's not supposed to drive because he's, he the thing in his heart, it's poisoning him. Yeah, he's on like a little like, oh, I want to, I guess he's got a bucket list and he's like, I'm going to tickle this shit off because he thinks he's dying and like he, mm. very soon, he thinks he's dying very soon. And his big thing is like, I want to, I want to race. But I love Pepper's reaction because I feel like she's all of us in that moment. She's just like, ah! And when she's in the car and that guy's attacking them, she's just screaming like, I just, this dress is too much. And I was like, no, it's what I would be like in that situation. I was, I, she put herself in that situation by getting in the car and telling um, John Favreau to drive onto the Grand Prix. Like, and I'm like, Pepper, you're screaming, but you brought this on yourself. But <laughs> well, we, we, when we were watching it, we were like, how did he? Um, how did he know that Tony would be down there driving? Because yeah. it's not on the listings. But unless he was just going to go smash all the cars up to try and lure him down. Well, maybe he was watching from a distance because I guess he might, he would easily know that Tony Stark would be there. And I guess he was just watching from the background and he was sort of kept his hands inside his pockets to hide the electric whips. Yeah, which were very well hidden in that. <laughs> I can barely hide my own hands in my pockets, but he they were They were lethal though, like a one whip and a whole car gets like cut in half. Like that was, that was kind of scary actually. 
Yeah, and they did the very good like supervillain shot where he walks away from an explosion. Those shots, I always, uh, they're just so ridiculous because I watched a video about um, explosions and how the force of them will knock you down if you're within like a hundred meters of this thing. Yeah. But they just like, they just walk. <laughs> well, I, maybe it's like, oh, do you know like in horror films where like Jason Voorhees always walks, isn't he? And he always catches everyone, even though he's walking. Yeah. It's a big action film cliche. I'd love one where there is an explosion and they do go, oh, and they fall down. They go, oof, bit of tinnitus, but, you know, it'll be all right. <laughs> I'll just walk it off. Walk it off. Well, I quite liked, um, I was, when I was doing my trivia quiz research, I, I, didn't, I couldn't think of a way to make this a question, so I'm just going to tell you it now. Yeah. Tony Stark was originally meant to be driving the red car because he's Iron Man, but... Um, Robert Downey Jr. was like, no, I want to drive the blue and the white one. I was like, <laughs> I love that he had that much power that he could be like, no, I don't want to drive that car. Well, he's, you couldn't have anyone else playing Iron Man. You can't replace Robert Downey Jr. So if I was him, I'd be like, yeah, I want, I want the pink one. In this film, throughout, he's kind of a dick, if we look at it objectively. Mm. But when he flips, he's not got his suit, but he still has a go, has a bash at like mm. going after the villain. I think that is because deep down he is a hero. Yeah, they, they emphasise that all the way through, which is why we're always behind him, is that he's he's kind of a bit of a dickhead because he's in a position to be a dickhead. We'd all be a dickhead um, if we had that much money. Like yeah, but whenever he is, he has a sort of turnaround where he, he has to have a moment where he's like, actually, I'm going to do what's right now. Yeah. I did like that he has a portable suit in like a little suitcase. I think that's really clever. I like that too. But yeah, that was a, I thought that was a really like fun. Um, and uh, it really set up the villain as being quite dangerous. Even though he doesn't win, it's a struggle to bring him down. And I, that immediately sets him up as being... And then you've got Sam Rockwell watching, and I'm like, he's going to ally himself with the Russian. Like, everything's signposted. Yeah. Which, in this film, it kind of works quite well, I think. <laughs> I, I think Sam Rockwell's character is really well done, because you think he's just going to be, like, the sort of, like, annoying comic light relief. And he is, to some extent. Like, yeah. as in, like, he, he's annoying to Tony, not to us. But, like, he's not going to be, like, a villain villain. But then he does assist in breaking out this terrifying person and have him create all these suits. So. And he's, he's not too cliche because uh, we've talked about how the villain is either Russian or has a cigar or both. Mm. And he has neither of these qualities. Damn you, Tony! That's like his constant. <laughs> he's Dexter's laboratory and T Tony is his DD. <laughs> yeah, that's a good reference. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the heart thing, when he keeps checking the number mm. of it's like the amount of poison in his bloodstream or something like that I think that did feel quite drastic because that number increased very quickly throughout yeah. the film. it wasn't a gradual thing so I wasn't you know like half an hour in you're usually with this you'd be like oh you've got plenty of time it's like two hours of this film to go but with him it was already quite high and I was immediately like oh my god is he gonna last like to the final act I don't know what's gonna happen like it was there was like a, uh, an impetus there. Yeah, it's a shame, I guess, that you already know that there's so many movies because you might have actually had that, like, you oh, might die. But they find out that Mickey Rourke's father was of, uh, he was a Soviet Union scientist, which equals villain, involved in nuclear weaponry. So mm. ultra, ultra evil. The worst kind. <laughs> um and we sort of quickly find all this out but it's a, it doesn't really matter that much i guess does it? i didn't really care that much about that. no i mean I, I guess the interesting thing is that he's got this vendetta against tony's dad because they worked together and then he had him deported or something didn't he yeah there was something there's yeah that's why he's going after tony stark is that there was some rivalry between their fathers i, I like that they brought his father in i was because his father was quite a mysterious figure in the first one 
but now you get some footage of him, which was quite good. Yeah. We'll get to that in a bit. This comes after his birthday party scene, which I mm -hmm. thought was quite fun. And him and Rhodes end up fighting in the two suits to try and end the party. Um, I do love how, um, again, Peppa being not great at her job, she's like, do not fight him. I will handle this. So she goes up like, the party's over, everyone. He's like, after party. And you can just see, don't you? Like, she just can't do it. She's not done it. But also there's a bit where when they start fighting and it's all getting chaotic, she like says something really snarky to Black Widow, to Scarlet, doesn't she? I know why you're here or something like that, right? Yeah, and I was like, what? What's what's your problem with her? Like she she's not she's all she's done is like beat up someone, and it wasn't anything to do with this, surely. Well, but she's she's got these lingering feelings for her boss, and I feel like before that happened, didn't Natasha have the bit where she like dresses his wounds? Oh, she does. Yeah, yeah. But I never really get like the vibe that they're gonna do it. No, neither do I. Maybe it's just like um, you know the writers couldn't possibly have. Uh, Pepper Potts feeling completely secure in her relationship with Tony Stark like what? couldn't possibly happen there must be a feminine rival to be fair she has all women as her rivals at that party because they're all like just tossing watermelons and all sorts they were yeah that was that was a pretty wild party I'd love to experience a party like that one day imminent threat of death in the background but yay all the yeah. I never had one that big because I just I don't I'm not friends with any billionaires I don't know if I'd want to be friends with a billionaire though because I think if you're a self-made billionaire it's it's such a huge amount of money that you have to be some form of sociopath yeah for sure um yeah she is a bit of a dick to Scarlett Mm. it's only that one moment but I was a bit like where did that come from I know because they don't really like all the way through they sort of they seem fine like they're working quite well together yeah, yeah. Well, sat next to each other on the phone, like me, 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 doing their like business stuff. I don't really know what their jobs are. <laughs> they are always on the phone. She did, yeah, that was my question. What, what, who is this Natasha? But is, she's a lawyer, but she also is kind of like Pepper Potts's personal assistant. But Pepper Potts doesn't like her at one point, and then she does like her later on. Uh, I was just, yeah, I was just, I just thought like they just need to get these characters in. So let's just whack them in. <laughs> I think so. Or maybe she's being Pepper's old job. But then it's not long after this that it gets revealed that she's a S.H.I.E.L.D. agent. Mm -hmm. And they have, they know about Tony Stark's illness. I don't really know how they know about this. But she dressed his wounds, so I wonder if she saw the, like, career. Oh, so she worked it out from that. Yeah, that's true. And they, remit, they can reduce the symptoms for a bit, so that gives him a bit more time. So I must admit, at that point, I was like, whew, like, there was... I was not that far through the film at this point. No, I know. And that's quite cool, isn't it? Because normally you're speeding towards an end goal at the end. Like, like when a bomb starts counting down, it's always 24, it'll be the end of the series. Whereas yeah. this, it was like speeding towards the middle. And you're like, huh? Yeah, that, that, that's, that's kind of scary, really, that they played around with that structure. And then and Nick Fury turns up. What's his job title? I think he's called Director of S.H.I.E.L.D. Oh, is he the head? So he's the ultimate head of S.H.I.E.L.D.? I'm sure Director <laughs> would be his title. And do we do we find out anything about his past? You don't have to tell me like exactly what it is, but are there like lots? Is there like a Nick Fury Jr. and a Mrs. Fury? Well, you find out actually. There's a there's a good film in the future which will take you back to his past. To like like when he's a like a little diddy Nick Fury. When he's a young Nick Fury out on about. Linton Feldman's eye, Nick Fury. And did he go to university to study um, superhero admin? I assume so. No, I think he was like very, very high military. I think he was involved in the X-Men for a little bit. Oh, Nick Fury. Well, he, he turns up in like lots of Marvel stuff. Like he crosses, he's sort of like a constant that crosses over between all of them. But we know, I mean, you don't know, but we know he, 
We so know, you know, know. We know, you know. <laughs> that he is involved with superheroes from very, very early on in his career. I look forward to finding out more about him because any, any appearance of Samuel L. Jackson is good with me. And he brings uh, him, oh, and Phil Coulson, Phil, Mr. Mr. Boring Name turns up and they bring a box and the box has info about his father and the Russians and the relationship between them. Poor Phil, his one job is to deliver a package. He's it is. And then, and then he, like, he was like, very randomly a bit later on, I've been sent to New Mexico and I was like, are we gonna find out more about that? And you do, but we'll deal with that in the post credit sequence. Um, but because I, I was like, why would you be sent to New Mexico? What's the- as far away as possible, they're like, oh, for God's sake, there's a mission for you in Mex- New Mexico, go, go, go now. And um, don't come back and don't call me until you've, you've I call you, bye-bye. I thought maybe like something Roswell related because Roswell's in New Mexico, isn't it? But mm. I was a bit, I did feel a bit like you've just picked up a random state. Like there's a mission for me in Delaware. <laughs> yeah. There's nothing in Delaware, but <laughs> there's a mission for me there. Well, not that you know of, but for the no, yeah, yeah, yeah. people, maybe. Delaware could be the centre of superhero admin, for all I know. And then Rockwell, Sam Rockwell, is working with Evil Russian. Oh, we got the Evil Russian out. He helped him to escape. And yeah. then he wants him to, like, make lots of suits and stuff so that he can sell them to the army, I guess, and make lots and lots of money. Yeah, he's one of those people. But you get the sense that the Russian has, like, other things on his mind. And I am a bit like Sam, like it's very obvious that this guy is not working for you. He's working, he's going to be working against you secretly. Like He uses a little napkin in his shirt and he serves up like a little fancy meal when he first meets him, doesn't he? He's not a, he's not a sane person. Again, sign of a, of a villain is that he serves up a Michelin star meal in the aircraft hangar. Yeah, <laughs> always a bad sign. Tony Stark looks inside the box yeah of history of howard stark and there's a clip of howard stark oh yeah that was cool he was like watching the clip and then he all got sort of deflated and like oh there's nothing here and then suddenly the clip of howard stark is like hello tony or something like that wasn't he and i was like there is something there's something (laughs) in this and then there's a little clip of little mini tony in there howard stark like gets annoyed at him and sends him out so i was like oh yeah like father son issues but in howard stark's defense tony stark was being disruptive he yeah he was i mean you gotta give him a bit of discipline but maybe he could do it in a nicer way he looks inside the um diorama doesn't he yeah i got really confused by this so the diorama the model village thing mm-hmm. it got the sense that it holds the secret to make him better he it was like a new element and that's the glowy triangle thing because they'd already tried every element in his heart hadn't they and they were like there are no viable elements on this planet i'm being jarvis but it's obviously paul bettany so i don't know why i'm doing the robot voice there are no uh, elements on this planet that will be viable in your okay. reactor and then obviously if he finds like a new element then that could be because they haven't checked that one but it, it didn't make sense to me how he finds it he sort of scans it makes a sort of three-dimensional um, image of it. And then he sort of does this with his hands. He throws his hands in the air and the whole thing goes into a big ball around him. And it looks like he's found it. And I was like, I'm not, 
I'm not following this at all right now. You're not a genius like Tony Stark is. Like if you were, you'd be like, oh, I see what's in there. But... There's more, this stuff is more satisfying when the clues are dropped, but you can't put it together yourself until the character does, and you go through the process with the character. Whereas yeah. in this, it was just like, Tony Stark's a genius, he just works out, and he ha- it's a glowing triangle. Yeah, I mean, I agree with you. It's, it's a bit stupid. So I, I guess the whole thing is that, oh, he finds out there's a new, new element. He has the atomic structure, which is that glowy shape. Yeah. And then I guess he's running some, ag- ag- why do I say agnostics? He's running some diagnostics. And agnostics. Agnostics are involved somehow with Jarvis. And he's like, oh yeah, this will be viable with your thing. And then he's like, found it, nailed it. Thanks a lot. Fury. Yeah, I don't, that was very dissatisfying. And I didn't really get what was happening. I just kind of thought, okay, well, he's fine now. Like we got rid of like, the whole poison stuff and that's done with that's done and i also like that nick fury knew all of that but did not tell him he's like so you've got everything you need in this box hopefully you don't die see you later and then it all kind of starts to come together at um sam rockwell's big expo show and mm-hmm. i love how his was so crap compared to tony stark's one at the beginning so tony stark is always kind of smooth and he like drops in and you know yeah. he, he's got you know arm up two fingers two fingers two fingers to you two fingers to two things for you and then <laughs> whereas sam rockwell's like doing a little sort of dad dance on yeah. the stage and it's and everyone's just a bit more um deflated but like you know a bit more it's just not as high energy well you would be wouldn't you you probably were trying to get tickets for tony's couldn't do it well like, oh, i guess we'll go to this other expo and then you get there and it's just not the same you've seen exactly. the other one. his yeah. hair his hair is not as good as tony stark tony stark has great hair and then that's when he brings up all like these drones and robots and things and um but then the evil russian has control of them and kind of takes over that's yeah. kind of what happens yeah um, which you know let's let's face it we saw that one coming yeah and i can't believe sam rockwell did not not a genius this is where pepsi and scarlet really like jump into action and impress me i was like yes you're finally becoming a businesswoman because you stop evil <laughs> that's what she has to do to prove herself to you no guy in business would just do like a little bit of business but for a woman she has to go above and beyond and stop evil <laughs> so yeah she she goes behind the scenes starts giving orders and it's like Sam Rockwell's all like, I give the orders around here. And she's all like, I give the orders now, hair flick. And then it, it just all kind of, that all kind of works. But then um, Tony Stark and Rhodey Rhodes, who still has the, the suit that he nicked, has to fight all the drones and stuff. And this was a really fun like bat- battle scene, I think, with all the, all the drones. And doesn't he manage to like blow them up all in one go? Yeah, I'm pretty sure he does. Yeah, they all go like boop, 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 boop. There's lots of explosions and fighting and flying and stuff like that. Oh, and Scarlet and Happy, his name is Happy, yeah? They, they infiltrate the facility to kind of like bring them down. And they do the thing that I love. Another like lovely action cliche is that when they're on a computer, they're typing really fast and that's how they control a computer. The, the ma- ma- mouses, like computer mice, do not exist in <laughs> worlds. <laughs> Why would you need to when you can just bash away at the keyboard? Is that that cat gif where it's just like... <laughs> on the keyboard <laughs> or kermit kermit the frog going <laughs> that's how all hackers break into anything and then eventually they fight uh mickey rourke evil russian and that was kind of a short fight like, that was done very quick i thought there was going to be like another bit well there's another explosion i guess but i thought he'd like get knocked down and then get up again because he can like regenerate himself wolverine style or something but i guess his motive isn't like it's not a selfish one in a way in his head is it it's like He's just kind of nuts. Like with the first fight, he did that already. 
And it was just to prove that the suit wasn't infallible, Tony's suit. And this time around, he knows he's got this backup option of blowing up all the drones and causing absolute mayhem. So So he wouldn't make so much effort. Yeah. Mm. I don't know. I feel like, you know, all he's got to live for is his parrot. Did the parrot die? Or is the parrot just not in it? I can't remember if they get the parrot back because I know Sam Rockwell's like, we got your parrot! And it's like a different parrot. And I can't remember if they get his actual parrot after And then he took the parrot back because he was trying to force the Russian to actually cooperate with him. I can't remember if they killed the parrot or not. I hope not because I hope that the parrot went and met Bruce Banner's dog in Brazil and became like a little, made like a little spin-off series together. Oh, like that film, what's it called? What's that film with the dog and the cat and the other dog are like trying to get home together? That Homeward Bound. Yeah, it could be like that. <laughs> right, I think that's really nice. Well. He's like, oh, Pepper. Yes, because she's just sort of standing on the stairs about to be blown up. I know, she just keeps staring at it. She's like, oh, it's breaking a beeping noise like a bomb. Hmm. I, if I were Pepper, I'd go to these big events not wearing high heels as well. Because in the first film, she has to sort of like open these doors for all the Phil Coulson gets her into the facility or something and she's sort of tip tapping away in high heels like, oh, and then in the second one, she's doing the same thing. I'm like, Pepper, you might need some trainers in your bag, like a, like a London female commuter when they're like commuting in trainers, but they got their, they got their high heels in the bag ready for when they get to work. Um, and then we have the final scene where Tony is told that he's going to be in the Avengers, but not as an Avenger, but as a consultant. Yeah, he is. He is a little bit too much of a life wire. I, I love the Avengers initiative file, and I really wanted to see what was inside it. It's just him. There's <laughs> a picture of Iron Man. They're like, we need more. <laughs> and just, yeah, this is a picture of Iron Man, and the next page is just a big question mark. I, I know what will be in there. There'll be a risk assessment. There'll be a risk assessment. Like, um, And what are the risk would be City, de- total city destruction. High. High well exploding. <laughs> well, they got medals as well. From the guy who was trying to bring them down in the Supreme Court. Yes. Yeah. He, he might come back later. Oh. That's might or will? Might. Who can say? I'm just saying he might come back later. Wait. I'm assuming he will. Otherwise, you wouldn't have bothered saying that. <laughs> <laughs> you can't keep secrets from me. <laughs> I can't. I'm so bad at it. Um, what did you think of the, did you say for the post credits? Yeah, so that got to Colson. So I was like, ah, yeah, there was something behind the whole New Mexico thing. So why else would he go to New Mexico? And, and he found like a stick in the ground. A so, stick in the ground. <laughs> what, is it? what is it? Did you actually not see? It was like a stick coming out of the ground. It had like a sort of reddish ribbon on it. No. What was it? Was it swords? <laughs> stick in the ground. It's Thor's hammer. Oh, where was the hammer? Oh, the hammer bit. Was that unburied or something? <laughs> He's found a stick in the ground, guys. We've got this now. <laughs> Wait, so, oh, so Thor has, oh, I thought Thor would have the hammer, though. Why is the hammer there? Well, you, you'll find out in the next oh. one. Do you want to know something funny? That, that little post credit scene was directed by Kenneth Branagh because he can't let anyone do anything else. Uh, okay. <laughs> I, thought, I thought it was some kind of, like, magic stick or, like, um, a sword handle. And I was like, oh, I wonder what the sword handle is. Maybe the next film would explain it. And I didn't just put two and two together with it because I knew that Thor was the next film. So I should have thought, oh, maybe it's the handle of his hammer. Do you see the hammer bit? I did. I'm sure I saw like, no, look, look. It shows the whole hammer. Oh, shit, it does. Yeah. Maybe you thought that was a bit of rock. Ah, I like how it's got a little um, sort of leather loop on the end so you can put his wrist through it so he can hold on to it really well. It's a bit like what you had when we had digital cameras and I always had that because oh, obviously yeah. when, you're, when you're taking selfies and down in the club, then you, um, 
you, you know, you don't want to drop your camera. No, and also you can dance with them. Jimbo. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You got you got it all like wrapped around you. So he's he's a very practical um, <laughs> Viking god. Oh, a stick with everything on it. I love it. That's my favorite thing ever. Uh, oh, and um, my last question that I wrote down: Where was Stan Lee? Oh, well, I was going to ask you in the quiz, but I can tell you. So okay. you know, at the beginning, he's going along and he's seeing all these people at the expo, and he's like Larry King. Oh, right. That's not Larry King, that's Stanley. Oh, they do look alike as well. That's hilarious. <laughs> and that's why he looks a bit disgruntled because he's like, I'm not Larry King. Because he's meant to be Stanley. Oh, that's, that's well disguised because I just took it as, oh, he's Larry King. Yeah. He's Most like a haggard old white man. So, you know. <laughs> one and the same. It's a prune. <laughs> yeah. Yes, let's do a quiz. Okay, what iconic shot did they mirror from the original Iron Man movie in this film? Um, uh, the one like when he's inside the suit and it's a close-up of his face. No, but I, that is. I think that counts. Yeah, that is in the first film. So you know when what, what we call him Mickey Rock is making um Russian. He's making his suit in the first sequence. They 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 use the same pose as Tony because when he's building the suit in the cave from the mm. first Iron Man film, they sort of mirror those two sequences because they're both creating something brilliant from scraps. Oh, okay. So they're, they're sort of mirroring each other. Yeah. Oh, what a lovely um, directorial touch. Um, which famous person is Tony Stark's dad modelled upon? Someone sciencey and businessy. Uh, Walt Disney. It is. I love that you. Is it actually Walt Disney? <laughs> It's, yeah, it's Walt Disney. And it's, it's yeah. the moustache. It's the moustache. I, I just suddenly thought, that's what Walt Disney looked like. Yeah, and also you know his little, little pitch at the beginning of the expo is modelled upon Walt Disney's filmed pitch for Epcot. Oh. So they sort of copied that. And that's because they, they picked up Marvel Entertainment nine months before the release of Iron Man 2. Then you've got Stanley already, because I've told you. Do you, can you guess who was originally in the front running to play Black Widow? Ooh, okay. Um, Nicole Kidman. No, you can guess again now if you want. I guess one, I have one more guess. Uh, who was well-known in popular time? Jennifer Lawrence. Or maybe no. it's a bit too early for Jennifer Lawrence. Yeah, she'd be like a very young Black Widow. She'd be like 16, yeah. yeah teen Widow. No, it was it was Emily Blunt. Oh, yeah, and oh. she was going to do it, but then it turned out she had another commitment to another film, which was I don't know if she made the right decision here, but I guess her career's been fine. Gulliver's Travels. That is a very bad decision. I know you're like, oh, Emily, no, which one should? But then it's okay because she then did A Quiet Place and Mary Poppins Returns, so yeah. it all worked out well in the end. Exactly, it's like God had a purpose for her, and off she went. Uh, what did Scarlett Johansson do to convince John Favreau she was right for the part of Black Widow? Did she show off some martial arts skills? No. I don't. I do. I, I'm going to give PG thirteen answers to that one. Yeah, I was. I realized as I asked, I was like, mm, it's nothing like that. <laughs> nothing. Nothing criminal. Nothing we should be worrying about and hashtagging. Um, so not martial arts. Did she? Did she read like all the comic books? No. Well, maybe she did. No, she dyed her hair red. Oh, right. Is she a natural blonde? She no. seems like she could be a natural blonde. When she saw her cat suit, she was a bit panicky. She was like, how am I going to move in that thing? It's very tight. But she did very well. She did like six months of um, prep, like bodywork prep. Body prep. And then she was doing all her stunt work prep during the film as well. Yeah. But she did quite a lot of 
cool stuff to Scarlett. And Gwyneth was love, like really excited for her to come aboard. She's like, another woman. <laughs> Someone to talk to. Yeah, <laughs> we can chat. And they do, I do think they pass the um, Bechdel test, I guess, don't they? they? They both have last names. They both talk about something other than Tony sometimes about work. They don't talk about their, like she, they don't have a conversation about Pepsi's relationship with Tony, I don't think. From what I remember, I might be wrong, but I don't remember them having that. They mainly talk about like the business. Yeah, a lot of it is, um, a lot of um, Pepsi's relationship with Tony is her sort of like looking at him all exasperated and sort of glossy eyed and stuff. I wish you were more like a normal man. Oh, but I love you anyway. Oh, oh, I got a phone call. I'm going to fuck up. Oh, oh you should not invest in us because we have all these explosions. <laughs> um, where did they film Hammer's Factory? So um, I can't think of it. Sam Rockwell's Factory. NASA? No. It is someone who was in the film already. Oh, uh, Elon Musk's place. Yeah, it's his place. And the people walking around in the background are just his employees. <laughs> is that like his, like his um, a warehouse where he builds his things? It's like, it's called the SpaceX facility. Ah, but yeah, they filmed at night. And even though they're filming at night, all the people in the background are just his employees because apparently they never leave. <laughs> they're just wandering around like, oh, I hope he doesn't fire me. Um, okay, well, we're going to do successful stuff now. How much money do you think it made globally? Oh, lots. Like uh, Hulk, I remember you said was like 230 million or something. So I guess like 300 million? Higher. Oh, 500 million. Even higher. It was 623.9 million. What? That's so much money. Ahead of Marvel, whoever that is, whoever's like the big producer of all this must be so rich. Yeah. Well, I don't know. Because I think because they'd sold it to Disney, I think they only got like 9% or something compared to what they would have I'm sorry, 9% of their earnings is still a, a, a literal shit ton of money. Oh, yeah, I know, but you would still be really annoyed, wouldn't you? You'd be like, oh, I wanted 100% of that 600. And Disney were like, ee, 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 ee. you can't possibly have 100%. You've got so many actors and crew members to pay. Uh, and then with that in mind, what do you think it got on Rotten Tomatoes? I think it will be, it'll be higher than Hulk. About 87%? No, lower. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. like 79%. 73%. 73%? Yeah. I would have thought it got um, higher. No, a lot of people, they liked it. It was a good action film, but they said it wasn't as much fun as its predecessor and that it had too many villains, which I don't think it did. Two villains is not too many. <laughs> too many villains? Because it had one extra villain? Yeah, they were like, I can't possibly comprehend how this has happened. <laughs> I actually think it's a lot of fun and I think it's a lot of, um, I, don't, I don't really agree with it because it's like he's going for a dark time and I think, he would be going through a dark time because he's like, oh, I'm Iron Man. And he's like, existential crisis. Who is Iron Man? What does this all mean? I'm dying. I think it's quite cleverly done. Yeah. And I think it's the, the storyline was not, like I said, it wasn't as formulaic. So it could move along in like little surprises. Okay. It was signposted, but it wasn't following a particular structure. It was it, the storyline was quite, quite original, I thought. Yeah, and it did like lift some of its parts from one of the Iron Man comics where he does battle alcoholism. I think it's pretty well done. It's my um, favourite of the three that I've seen. Oh, well, there we go. So what would you give it out of percentage-wise? Percentage? Um, I'll give it a good strong 85%. It's pretty good. Not okay. perfect, but I, I quite liked it. Yeah, I think it's building up towards something good. So, And then the last question was, Mickey Rourke made some changes to his character, avoiding the parrot. Like other other changes on top of the parrot. What do you think they were? Oh my god, was he like Italian to begin with? But Mickey Rourke was like, I want to do it Russian. It's like, no, yeah, he did actually suggest the Russian thing, which I think is 
What was he going to be to begin with? I can't remember now, but he he insisted on there being Russian dialogue. Oh, okay. But he also did lots of crazy stuff. So he he wanted the the um the gold teeth added, okay. and he wanted the parrot, and he wanted the tattoos. Um, and he he basically went to like loads of Russian prisons and stuff, and wanted to find these really authentic tattoos that would represent his heritage and like prison societies and special clubs. And he paid for his teeth and the parrot out of his own money. Oh right, that's dedication. That's like ed norton style dedication that is yeah exactly he's he went full into it i don't know that it made it less one-dimensional a character no i guess not but maybe i mean getting like the authentic tattoos is kind of a cool idea i guess because it means that the character although the character is very stereotypical um it makes it a bit less stereotypical because it's based in truth yeah that's true Uh, so I guess I, I appreciate that effort, definitely. I wouldn't, if I was playing the character, I wouldn't personally visit a Russian prison. That's what he did though. And he did go to Butchak, I don't know how to say it. Butchak? I'm going to try and be Russian now. <laughs> prison to research the role. So he did try. And then I guess the next thing is like, it's not really a question, but John Favreau was director of this one and Iron Man 1, but he doesn't do Iron Man 3. He, he got really annoyed because they kept changing bits of the story. Oh, really? And they kept insisting you need to add in more stuff, like more S.H.I.E.L.D. references, more like seed more of the future storylines in like, the Avengers. And he found it really difficult to work with. So he was like, no, no more. But like, surely that's part of his job. Was he not getting that this film is being made as part of a larger... I think, it, yeah, because Disney bought it halfway through a whole situation, like nine months before it came out. And they, they were the ones who had decided that they were going to seed it much more. So... The changes happened later in the day. They'd already written the script. They'd already filmed lots of stuff. They had to keep adding new bits, refilming bits. I can see why he'd get annoyed. I just constantly think of him as um, the the rich guy that Monica dates in Friends. Me too, yeah. I know. It doesn't matter what he does. I'm always just like, he's the ultimate fighting champion. Pete, isn't it? Pete. Yeah, Pete, the ultimate. Wow. I feel like I've learned a lot about Iron Man 2. Our next film is Thor. Yeah, directed by Kenneth Branagh. Well, next time we will discuss Thor, we'll discuss um, Natalie Portman, we'll discuss Chris Hemsworth, and we'll discuss whether a god can actually defeat anything or whether they're actually just as flawed as any other superhero. And we'll probably look into how he uses that stick thing. The stick thing, yes, I can't wait to see how he uses the stick thing. You've been listening to an episode of The Marvel Version. If you'd like to join in the conversation, you can tweet us at The Marvel Version. We hope you enjoyed the show and that you'll tune into the next fact filled episode. <laughs>